Oh, just for a few minutes of time this afternoon, I'd like to maybe look at a few additional things, additional thoughts found in John chapter 11. In 11 11, we find where the Lord tells his disciples, he says, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Now, Lazarus was a friend of the Lord, but he says, not my friend, but our friend. What a wonderful uh, statement that was that Jesus made about this man. This man had two sisters. One was named Martha and one was named Mary. And this chapter opens up by telling us that Lazarus was sick and he was of the town of Bethany of the where Mary and Martha had a house. And we first read about them in the last part of uh, Luke chapter 10. We find where Jesus was received into the house of Martha. Martha and Mary and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother, as far as the record is concerned, that's the entirety of the family. Whether either one of them was married, uh, the record doesn't say they were. So we have these three but these three people opened their house to the Lord Jesus Christ and was given to hospitality. Even though we only have two times recorded where he was in the house, I'm of the belief that he probably visited their house on numerous occasions. Bethany was only two miles outside of Jerusalem, and Jesus spent a lot of time in that area. They were his friends. Now, Lazarus was sick, and Mary and Martha sent a messenger to him and said, He whom thou lovest is sick. They didn't say Lazarus is sick, but he whom thou lovest. They knew that Jesus loved their brother Lazarus. And I'm sure they believed that he loved both of them. And they had proven that they loved him. And we'll see that, I think, in the family actions. And I'd like to just speak a little bit about this family this afternoon. Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know, sometimes people will pick something out uh, of the Bible about somebody that is true. That's really about all they know about it. You know, you can ask somebody, what do you know about Job? And they say, well, Job was known for his patience. Well, that's right. But there's a lot more to Job's life than just his patience, you know. What do you know about Solomon? Well, he was a wise man. Well, he was. There's a lot more to know about Solomon's life than just his wisdom. Samson, his strength. So people know one thing, one outstanding thing about certain individuals, and that's about the extent of their knowledge. But the Bible has some things to say about Mary and Martha and Lazarus I think are very important and go a little bit deeper than what we might normally think about. Most people think, oh, well, Lazarus was dead, you know, dead four days, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Well... He did. But Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And Jesus loved Lazarus. The messenger sent the me or brought the message, Thy friend whom thou lo well, thou he whom thou lovest is sick. Now they didn't have to name him. They knew that he would know who they were talking about. If this message came from Mary and Martha, they knew that he would understand this was Lazarus, their brother, that was sick. Now, as I stated this morning, I believe Lazarus died somewhere that, sometime during that day. But the Lord said his sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Again, he didn't say Lazarus would not die, but ultimately 
his death be to the glory of Christ. Now, after Christ got the message, he still abode two days where he was at. So some people say, well, if he loved them so much, first of all, why didn't he just keep Lazarus from getting sick? He could have. Or after he was sick, why didn't he keep Lazarus from dying? He could have. And number three, why did he wait two days to go see the sisters? He didn't have to wait till he got there to find out Lazarus has been dead four days. Jesus knew that. But he waited two days. And then he tells his disciples, he says, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Now, when you read the Gospel of John, you're going to find out time and time and time again that when the Lord gave a spiritual lesson, the ones he was giving the lesson to oftentimes thought he was talking about the outward or the literal or the physical. You know, when he was dealing with Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus responded by saying, how can a man enter back in his mother's womb the second time? He was thinking Jesus was talking about a literal, physical, natural birth. But he was in John chapter 4 when he's dealing with the woman at Jacob's well in Samaria. You know, he asked her to draw him a drink of water, and she says, How is it thou, being a Jew, asked me to draw thee a drink, knowing uh, that the Jews and the Samaritans have nothing to do with each other? And Jesus said unto her, If you knew whom thou talkest to, uh, you would understand that whosoever drinketh the water that I give shall never thirst again. She said, uh, Show me where this water is. <laughs> I want, to, I want some of those waters so I don't have to keep coming back in drawing all the time. So she took it in that manner, in that way, but that's not what the Lord was saying. So the Lord says to the disciples, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Now, I think this is the first, uh, well, no, it's not the first time. Um, well, when the Lord spoke this, they took it that he was talking about physical, natural sleep. But the Lord wasn't talking about that. This is one of the most sweetest expressions in the Bible to describe death. When I go to sleep at night, I go to sleep with anticipation of waking up the next morning. Now, sometimes people pass in their sleep. They take their last breath while they're sleeping and they never wake up. And I, I've always thought that'd be a great way to go, you know. But since I've never tried all the different ways to go, I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, I do believe that's probably be a, a great way to go, just lay sleep right? But so far, every time I've gone to bed and gone to sleep, uh, I anticipate, anticipated waking up the next morning. And when a child of God goes to sleep in death, they can go to sleep in death anticipating they will wake up in the morning. Not necessarily the next morning, but in the morning of the resurrection. They can anticipate that because that is what is going to happen someday. So he says, our friend Lazarus sleepeth now, when he went to Jairus' house, he had a 12-year-old daughter, and Jesus uh, was approached by Jairus. At the time, his daughter was alive, but she was nigh death. By the time that Jesus got to where Jairus lived, his daughter had died. But the Lord told all those that were there, Behold, she sleepeth. And the Bible says they laughed in the school. And she was dead. But in the eyes of Jesus, she was just simply asleep. 
And Jesus was going to prove he had power over death and to wake her out of that sleep, which he did shortly after that. But because they laughed him to scorn, he put them all out. And they all missed out on a blessing, except for her parents and James and John and Peter. They were there, and he took her by the hand and spoke to her, told her to arise, and she arose. She woke up. The Lord woke her up. You know, the death of Stephen, Acts chapter 7, when Stephen gave that great defense of the truth and that uh, great account of Israel's history, he ended up charging the Israelites with the crucifixion and death of Christ. And the Bible says they, you know, became very enraged and they picked up stones and they stoned him to death. And as he kneeled down, he drew his last breath, and the Bible says, and Stephen fell asleep. They weren't talking about natural sleep. He was talking about he died. He fell asleep. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. In the sight of God, death is simply sleep. God's children close their eyes, take their last breath, close their eyes, and they fall asleep in death. But the Lord one day will wake them up. So he says, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. And they say, well, if he sleepeth, he doeth well. <laughs> I thought about that a few times. You know, when you're young, you can sleep on a hardwood floor underneath the kitchen table, no pillow, no nothing. You just go to sleep and you can't hardly wake people up like that. But the older you get, I don't care how good a bed you got, how good a pillow you got, sleep can be elusive. <laughs> it's like Elder Varn Marshall down in South Georgia uh, he was known for his, uh, his wit and one thing and another. And uh, he was tossing and turning. And his wife says, Barn, go to sleep. He says, I can't go to sleep. Sleep has to come to me. <laughs> I understand what he's talking about. Have you ever been that way? You toss and you turn and you tumble. And you, you lay on your left side for a while. Then you lay on your back for a while. Then you lay on your right side for a while. And then it's back to the left side, one thing and another. And uh, the, the thing that helps me more than anything else, I just start trying to quote scripture. I just start trying to meditate on scripture. I just start trying to think of some portion of God's word. And, you know, that usually works because the devil don't want me to do that. So he'll help me go to sleep. <laughs> if he sleepeth, he doeth well. To get a good night's sleep is a blessing. It truly is. But then the Lord spake plainly and said, Lazarus is dead. He just had to get plain with the disciples. They didn't understand what he meant. He says, our friend Lazarus sleeping. They said, well, if he's sleeping, he's doing well. He said, Lazarus is dead. Now, when Jesus got there, he knew he'd been dead for four days. And that's when he entered into conversation with Martha. And Martha had said unto him, Lord, if you'd only been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Now, I want to skip a little bit further on because after the exchange he has with Martha, we've already mentioned this morning, you find that Martha goes to Mary and says, Mary, the master calleth for thee. Now, there had been mourners who'd been coming from Jerusalem. A lot of mourners had come there to mourn with Martha and Mary concerned their brother Lazarus. And Mary got up and the mourners misinterpreted where she was going. But she went to the master. She went to Jesus. You know what she said? She said, Lord, if you'd only be in here. She said the very same thing that Martha did. That tells me that her and Martha must have been discussing it. That tells me they must have been talking about this and they had shared the same thoughts because they said exactly the same thing. 
Martha, Lord, if you'd only been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Mary, Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. You know, those are the only three recorded, excuse me, that's the only recorded words of Mary. That's the only recorded words of Mary. There are no recorded words of Lazarus. And Martha has just a few more. This is a family that did their talking with their works. They did their talking with their works. They were few on words, but mighty in works. They were given the hospitality. They showed friendship to Jesus. He loved them. I know he loved them with an everlasting love. I know he loved them with that love that we like to preach about from the time to time, that great love wherewith Christ has also loved us, even we were dead in trespass and sin. I know he loved them with that love. He loves all his family with that love. But those who show kindness to him, those who offer great hospitality to him. You say, well, how can I be given the hospitality to Jesus today? Well, the Lord explained that on several different occasions. He said, if you give a cup of cold water, at least of one of these, my little ones, you have done it unto me. In Matthew chapter 25, when he divides his sheep from the goats, he's going to say to his sheep on the right hand, come, you bless my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you uh, uh, took care of me, etc. And they said, when did we do these things? And he said, if you've done these things, at least one of my little ones, you've done it unto me. When you do one of these kind acts to somebody here, it's just like you were doing it to Jesus on a personal note. He takes it personally. You're part of his body. He's the head. His family is the, the body of Christ. He takes it personally. So when you offer an act of kindness to somebody, it's just like you're doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This family was short on words, but they were big in works. Now Martha was known as the worker, the server, as we go back to Luke chapter 10. But while she's working and serving, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Three times we're told about Mary being at the feet of Jesus. The first time she sets at the feet of Jesus to hear his word. You know, if you're going to hear the word of Christ, you're going to have to read it today. you got the Bible. You're going to have to read it. And it's, I think it's important that you find a nice, quiet place and you sit down and you open your Bible and you read it. And from that point of view, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when you come to church and sit like you're doing this afternoon, I'm trying to do my best to preach to you the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to present unto you the words of Jesus and the Lord will bless us when we do this, just like this setting right here, it's just like you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Uh, I'm just the messenger. I'm just telling you the words of Jesus. You're sitting there to hear the words of the Master, hear the words of your Lord, hear the words of Jesus. That's what Mar Mary was doing. And Martha got a little miffed at her. She felt like she ought to be up stirring around helping her there. But you know, there's a time for everything. There's a time and place for everything, and Mary was not going to miss out on this. She sat right there at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ to hear his words. I think the Lord was kind and tender to Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, thou art coming about with so, so many different things. But Mary has chosen the part. No word spoken by Mary here. But we come to John chapter 11, and Mary comes. And she says, Lord, if you'd only been here, but you know where she was at when she said that? The Bible says she came at the feet of Jesus. 
She came and fell at the feet of Jesus. Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Those are expressions of sorrow, expressions of grief. Sometimes emotion gets the best of us. Sometimes through emotions we say things that if we just thought them out a little bit better, maybe we wouldn't have said them. I think they were probably rooting ground enough at this point to have realized that Jesus didn't have to be there. You know, if you go back earlier, you can find where Jesus healed the servant of a nobleman, and he healed that servant from a distance. I don't know if they knew about that or not. If they did, they should have remembered that. Well, he healed somebody else from a distance. He could have have kept our brother from dying from a distance. But the Lord is always in control. The Lord knew what he was doing. But here is Mary, and that's the only words recorded that she said. But what a dynamic personality she was. What a dynamic worker and disciple was she. Then the next time we read about her is in the very next chapter, chapter 12. This is after the resurrection of Lazarus. And he was in the house again, and the Bible says, and Martha served. This time, though, there's no murmuring. And when I compare these two scenes from Luke chapter 10 and John chapter 12, in Luke chapter 10, there's Lazarus, there's Mary, there's Martha, and there's Jesus. That's the four of them. But over here in John chapter 12, you got Jesus, you got his disciples. I think that's 13 of them. And you got Lazarus, he sat at the table with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Here's a man Jesus raised from the dead, and now he's sitting at the very table with the man who raised him from the dead. So you got Jesus in 12, 13, Lazarus 14, Mary 15, Martha 16. It, I think they're here this time in the house of a man named Simon. That's 17. There's more than four times as many as it was to begin with, but this time there's no complaint or murmuring from Martha. So the first time Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, the second time she comes and she expresses her grief and her sorrow to Jesus. And thank the Lord we have a Savior that, has a, that can sympathize with. We have a Savior that loves us and he's concerned about us. He can be touched the feelings of our infirmities. When Jesus got to the grave of Lazarus, you know, uh, the, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, everybody knows that, those who don't read the Bible. Those who don't read the Bible know that. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus. I've heard a lot of things about that, but I tell you about what I get the most out of and what I really think is happening here. I think the Lord's showing his humanity here. The Lord is showing his love for Lazarus. Now, maybe he considered the fact that he's going to have to bring Lazarus back from heaven. I've heard that. When Lazarus died, his soul and spirit went to heaven, and that's where Jesus came from, and Jesus knows I'm going to have to call him back from eternal blessing and glory back to this old world right here. Well, that wouldn't be a crying shame, as they say, right? <laughs> but in this case here, it was necessary. Jesus wept. I think he's really showing how, how he loves his children, not only eternally, not only in the covenant of grace, but he loves his children when they're going through hard times and going through sorrows and heartaches and, 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 and times of great difficulty. The Lord knows what you're going through. He lost a good friend. Lazarus was his friend, and he died. And Mary and Martha were his friends, suffering. They were grieving. They had sorrow in their heart. They both had come to him and said, Lord, if you'd only been here. If you'd only been here. <laughs> My brother wouldn't have died, which, of course, again, was not true. The Lord could have kept him from getting sick to begin with, but it wasn't the will of God to do so on this occasion. And the Lord wept. And the Lord came and said, roll the rock away. Roll the stone away. Martha said, Lord, he's been here about four days. Behold, he stinketh. Now listen, 
There are no degrees in death. There's no such thing as dead, deader, and deadest. But there are degrees of decay. Now, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from death, from sleep, almost immediately, just a short time after she had passed away. She was still in the house. He raised the widow's son from the dead on the way to the cemetery. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead after being in the grave for four days. This is the climatic miracle in the ministry of Christ. That's why John has it listed number seven. Seven signs, seven miracles in the Gospel of John. It's not the last miracle that Christ did before he went to the cross. But it's, I think, the greatest from the standpoint. He got the greatest response from his friends and also from his enemies. From his enemies. You know what people wanted to do to Lazarus once they found out that he'd been raised back from the dead? You know what the Bible says? They wanted to kill him. They wanted, <laughs> they wanted him to die again, die quick. You see, Lazarus is a witness. There were those who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ because of the witness of Lazarus, and he never said a word. That's why I say they were big on action and few on words. How many people have you known have been big on words, but come up way short on action, right? I think it's important that you tell your loved ones that you love them. I think it's more important to prove it. I think it's important that husbands tell the wives they love, they love them, the wives tell the husbands they love them. But I think it's more important that you prove it. I'd rather have somebody who, who proves they love me on a regular basis and don't really say it that much than somebody saying it all the time didn't prove it. Of course, uh, I, love, I love it both ways. <laughs> I love the love to be proved, and I love to hear people tell me they love me. It just makes me feel good when people say, I really love you. It makes me feel good. And we live in a not-so-feel-good world, don't we? It's, it's nice to feel good every once in a while. It, it feels good when somebody tells you they love you and you know they mean it in sincerity. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus wept. And they knew this man loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Roll the stone away. What the Lord said to Martha when she said, Lord, he's been here about four days. Behold, he's thinking. He said, did I not tell you, Martha, if I only believed you would see the glory of God? That miracle in John 2, where he turned the water into wine, it displayed his glory. All through John, you're talking about the glory of Christ. John 1.14, it says, For the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You hear what he said there? The Word, capital W-R-D, became flesh, dwelt, tabernacle among us, and what we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten Son of God who's in the bosom of the Father. The Father was glorified when Jesus turned water into wine. And the Father was glorified when Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. Did I not tell thee if you'd only believe, you'd see the glory of God. And is she about to see the glory of God? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Now here's a, in closing this afternoon, here's a great example of a specific call versus a general call. It's been said, and I wholeheartedly agree, if Jesus just said, come forth, every tomb and every grave in that cemetery would open up. 
Everybody in that cemetery would have come out of that grave. He'd have just come forth. But he didn't call everybody out. He called one person out. He said, Lazarus, that was personal. That was uh, individual. Lazarus come forth. And the Bible says he came forth with his grave clothes on and his hands and his feet bound. I don't know exactly what Lazarus looked like right there, but it had to be an awesome sight to see this man who'd been dead for four days just come right out of the grave at the command of the voice of God. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but now he's awake. The Lord told his disciples, he said, after he told them that, behold, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, he said, let us go that I might awake him out of sleep. Jesus didn't have to call him twice, did he? How many times do you have to call your children sometimes to wake up? I remember as a boy on the farm, Daddy never liked to call me twice. And I never liked for him to call me twice. <laughs> but I remember one time I thought I was so smart. Well, we had it upstairs and I was in the bed and he called me. And I remember reaching over the side of the bed with my hand and hitting the floor twice. Boom, boom. I said, he'll think I'm up. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> It didn't work, but I was going to do the best I could to make him think my feet had hit the floor. <laughs> it was so hard to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go down there and take that barn of tobacco out and then come and eat breakfast and then start the day's work after that. That was hard to get up at that time of day. Brother Junior knows all about it. <laughs> but anyway, thou might go and wake him out of sleep, and he did. And when the Lord comes again at the end of time, He's going to wake all of his children awake out of sleep. 